Well, hey there, ladies and gents. This is Elemental Collision, aka Dave Graham, coming to you live on a Wednesday night. Um, it's 8 o'clock at night here on the East Coast, and I am uh, drinking coffee. So this either is going to end up at being a great show, or it's going to be uh, mediocre, like the shit that's in my cup right now. So, let's get at it. Standard disclaimer applies. I speak only on behalf of me, not on behalf of my employer. Any noises in the background are because mm, I didn't mute my... Well, I'm going to mute it right now. I didn't mute my uh, my glorious monitor speakers, which I just did. So, all right, let's get into it. So, this week's suggestion... I've got a couple of suggestions, actually. I got one from Dylan522P. Dylan's a common offender when it comes to asking me to do stuff or suggesting I do stuff. So, hey, Dylan. Uh, Miss Robin Braun of EMC. Uh, she is a healthcare CTO or healthcare field CTO global uh, for Dell EMC. Brilliant woman. And my offbeat life. Who wants me to talk about the bubble? So, tell you what i'm going to tackle one of those subjects tonight i will tackle the bubble subject i think in a separate one but i will you know i will talk about it because the bubble is important so principle behind elemental collision when i started it was hey listen we got life intersects with technology all the time right not paying attention um we probably all have laptops or some sort of computers that we work with well that's you intersecting with technology <gasps> shocking uh, you get in your car it has any kind of gps that you intersecting with technology however life does not stop when you start using technology and matter of fact technology can complicate life and so you know given my background in you know social services and psychology and counseling and whatnot i'm always curious about the implications of technology to life so a lot more of that coming down the road the bubble uh, illustration that my offbeat life said is one of those kind of intersections that's you know on a more personal level it's yeah welcome to the world outside of work and where life you know kind of hits hits the road if you will so let's jump right into dylan 522 so this week i'm gonna pull this up on my screen so i can look at it um intel had the um, the joy <laughs> of having another set of vulnerabilities um found in their processors so let's do a quick sub survey of that and let's see here so on tuesday evening intel and vu that would be vu university in amsterdam have found on tuesday intel and vu announced the details of riddle r-i-d-l rogue in-flight data load a vulnerability that allows malicious parties to steal almost all data from computers unauthorized persons can view the data that the processor is currently processing this vulnerability is in all intel processors of the last 10 years including the very latest hackers can exploit the vulnerability by hiding code in a web advertisement for example um let's start with software software's a bitch <laughs> software is a gigantic enormous pain in the ass uh however it's the surface that all of us use in order to get at our systems right so i mean it's a necessary evil if you will 
the problem is that software is not designed, unless it's specifically designed this way, is not generally designed to be malicious in intent, right? So we all use a web browser. The web browser itself is not designed to be malicious. I would argue that <clears throat> Microsoft Edge, Fire, Mozilla Firefox, uh, Google Chrome, uh, Opera, Safari, you name it. These these programs are not inherently designed to be malicious. Now, what happens is they're also pretty stupid when it comes to how they load code or they load pages, right? They'll just load whatever is in line, right? And that's how they are. That's kind of their operating model. And this is ultra simplistic, so please don't come at me with, well, that's not exactly how it works, Dave. It goes like that. No, I got it. I got it, right? But for sake of argument, browsers are dumb. They're going to load whatever's in the fucking page. So <clears throat> when it comes down to it, and you're loading this stuff, you can, you know, this historically with um, SQL injection, for example. You know, if you're going to do MySQL injection or you're going to try to infect a database, you could load code that the browser would load and try to execute. Just kind of the nature of the thing. Um, when it comes to processors, processors are going to load the data that the programs give to them, right? Now, processors try to be tricky and smart. The whole concept of prefetching, like I'm going to I'm gonna try to outthink you. Um, I think I've given this example in the past before, but if I'm looking at a map, I have a map of Ireland or sitting right behind my head. If I look at Donegal, for example, and I'm trying to get to Cork, you Irish folks will know that that's almost an impossible task in a given day. It's going to take you a hell of a long time to get there. It can be done, and there's several ways that you can do it. You can go down, you know, the West Coast, so down the Connemara Loop or Wild Atlantic Way, and you can go down the East Coast. You can probably go right down the middle through Limerick, Shannon, that kind of area. Right? You're going. You can get there from here. How you choose to get there, you know, and your GPS is a perfect example. This is going to try to predict how you how you best can get there, right? We all have used ways, or we could use Google Maps. I'm not going to use Apple Maps because Apple Maps is terrible. It's just it's garbage. So when Waze tries to predict where you're going to go, it, 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 it learns your routes. It says, oh, hey, I think, you know, using this previous example, you're in Donegal. You want to go to Cork. I know that you do this every week, so I'm going to go ahead and preload those maps. I'm going to preload the route that I think is the best one for you. And it's going to make sure that those routes and those instructions are loaded in your phone before you leave your, you know, origin, right? Before you get to your destination, you would hope that all those instructions were there. Or it will continue to load as it goes on. But, you know, bear with me for sake of argument. So, <clears throat> program tries to be tricky. So we you port that analogy over to the in, you know the Intel processors are just, and I'm not going to bag on Intel for this. Most processors today operate in some level of speculative speculation, speculative prefetch, as it were. They're going to try to figure out what that next step is going to be. They're going to try to outthink you, or they're going to try to outsmart it. Because if we go really, really deep. These processors are based on what's called a von Neumann architecture, right? And we can go into the, the nitty gritty of that. But those systems are always designed based on getting data closer to the point of processing, right? So von Neumann basically said, here, let me pull it up. <clears throat> well, he didn't basically said, what you're trying to do is trying to, oh, come on. The term von Neumann architecture has evolved to mean any stored program cubery in which an instruction fetch and a data operation cannot occur at the same time because they share a common bus. So again, pipeline, if you will, that's a common bus, right? So when you're trying to go through and operate, and, and again, your CPU designers are probably going to come at me and say, well, you know, there's, there's this, there's this, there's this. Okay, 
Got it. Ease of simplicity here. We gotta feed the pipeline. We gotta make sure that these architectures are fed with data. So when it comes down to it, you know, you're somehow gated. So the whole goal here is to make sure that that data that you want to work on is as close to the computing source as possible in an already existing state. So your latency is reduced. Now, everybody's talked about, and we're going to go back to Intel here for a second. Intel has always had very, very good prefetch. You know, we've always noted that their latency tends to run slower, you know, run slower, run faster than AMD on a, on a per instruction, you know, a per instruction cycle or per clock cycle, right? So that's just a, the way that they architected their solution. However, in order to get there, they're having to make some trade-offs. And what these vulnerabilities are finding are the trade-offs, right? It's not that these were intentionally designed to be malicious. And I want to... I want to back up on something that, you know, Dylan pointed out. He said, hey, why don't you uh, explain the ridiculous stance of, you know, Intel supposedly buying off VU University? And I'll come to that in a moment. But the thing of it is, we have checks and balances. As much as we should have this in politics, by the way, we have checks and balances within the industry, right? So we all talk, you know, about CVEs, you know, common vulnerability and how that's, you know, you can run over to MITRE and you can look up a CVE number and it's going to give you, you know, something that's, affects a lot of people the general rule of thumb here is that we have these checks and balances in place because we want to understand this we have researchers that go out here i mean view university is a researcher in this case the folks that did this right um stefan von shajik shajik who was a computer science student worked on this and found these vulnerabilities like all credit to him that's an awesome thing to do he wasn't maliciously trying to go out there and you know figure out how to defeat intel He's going out there and figuring out bugs. He was doing, you know, doing research. So the important thing is that we always look at this as, hey, listen, outside of <laughs> a little incident last year with um, a, I'm not going to name him because I don't want to give him the notoriety, a group out of Israel who attacked AMD and it looked for all intents and purposes like it was, you know, a short seller type situation. Um you really do have people that are going out there and testing and trying these products. And there's generally an unwritten obligation that you go to the manufacturer of said products and you say, Hey, listen, I found these bugs. Can you, you know, uh, here's all the data. Again, we exist in a scientific or we should exist, exist in an objective world where we are testing and trying these things, you know, allowing it for peer review. Um, cause without peer review, this is all bullshit. Okay. Um, we're allowing these things to happen. You know, we, we know this is in the wild. Here's all our data. Take a look at it. Determine if it's right. You know, you go back and check with your own sources. And if it's right, you know, what are you going to do to remediate it? You know, we always give the manufacturers a chance. You know, as I would, you know, as I, repre as I represent for my day job, a particular manufacturer, I would hope that my customers, if they had a problem with one of my boxes, would come back to me and say, hey, listen, dude, you got a hole in this particular BMC system or this, 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 and this, right? And not just go, hey, it's in the wild here, everybody go to town and not give me a chance to do it. But that's a code of honor. That's kind of like a, that's an unwritten rule. I don't see anywhere where it says, hey, if you file that, find these things, you automatically file it and then release it into the wild. So going to what Dylan was talking about, it appears, and I'm not going to even... You know, it appears that Intel tried to buy off the 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 release of this information by up to six months. Now, listen. <laughs> I mean, come on. This was found in September. So already by March, it would have been six months. Six months is a courtesy period of time. Trust me. 
Um, it doesn't have to be that much, you know, it's a gentleman's agreement. Again, you want to have that addressability, you have to reach the right person, so on and so forth. But, you know, six months is plenty of time to at least have an idea of how things are going to track. But in the same way, you got to go and you got to re- look at how the system has to be remediated. Is this a silicon problem, right? Or is this a software mitigation problem? Is this something I can do in software in order to mitigate it? We went back to the browser idea. Can browsers be patched in order to you know, stop the execution of this malformed URL that could inject this data. You know, what are the kind of contingencies here and how can this be played at? If it's a hardware issue, then, you know, the manufacturer has the right to go back and say, hey, listen, this is a hardware issue. You know, put out a mea culpa, a CVE notice, uh, or, you know, some sort of, you know, stop ship or whatever, depending on the significance or severity of it, of it and, you know, and pull it back. If it's a software issue and it can mitigate the hardware issue, then you work like a dog to make sure that you get that information out to your platform providers, i.e., you know, Microsoft, Google, blah, 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 blah. And you make sure that that patch is released. And same thing happened during Spectre and Meltdown, right? You know, Spectre and Meltdown, last time I checked, where, you know, it was about a six-month release window prior to that. It was released. Everybody made hubbub about it. But things were mitigated. And they were mitigated in a timely fashion. So in these circumstances, I, I wouldn't even bother with the the payoff stuff. Just, just to say, listen, you know, to my friends at Intel, you had six months. Did you not have a plan of attack? Did you not take this in the the intent that was pop, you know that was given, or you know, what's going on here? The you know I, kudos to DeVue University for turning down the additional sum for delay. You know, it's not about being bought. It's about having integrity in the research that you do. And I think Stefan and company and folks that co-researched with them demonstrated integrity by they got the bug bounty, which I think is fairly acceptable. You know, it wasn't like they were going out of their way to get it, from what I can tell. But they approached things with integrity. They said, hey, listen, this is a release. We notified Intel. This is what happened. Intel came here, and we refused the additional stimulus to hold back six months. I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's a very seasoned and well-appropriate, you know, approach to things. Now, Intel, on their part... Listen, I don't know what game you're trying to do, but next time, don't do stupid shit like that. It's out in the public sphere. People are going to find out about it. (laughs) And there are some times when press is bad press. This is not one of those incidents that's going to give you a black eye, but just makes you look stupid. You have a bug bounty program. You paid that out. Kudos to you for honoring the agreements that are there. It's a bit like Apple and the 12-year-old kid that found a leak in FaceTime, right? You know, Apple wasn't going to pay them. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? It took a revolt of users in order to get them to do it. No, 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 no. You pay based on the bug bounty. Um, yeah, so all that to be said. Now, here's the thing. Now, let's talk about AMD versus Intel and this stuff. And I'm not even going to turn this into a you know, green versus blue type argument. You know, good news to AMD, they don't have this particular side channel attack. Now, AMD has different variations of Spectre and Meltdown that they've had to do mitigation for. I think, you know, the <laughs> one of the benefits of their architecture in general and the way that they're setting things up, and I'm not talking about their schedulers and, you know, their pipeline and everything like else that's set up, right? You know, that's getting a little bit deeper than I want to talk about. But based on their silicon strategy, the ability to iterate, you know, moving to chiplets in Rome, for example, or an Epic II, if you want to call it that, you know, is going to give them the ability to iterate those particular components differently than you know Intel, which would have to go back to the monolithic die or refactor that and then re- and redo this. Doesn't mean it's going to make any you know it's going to be 
you know, piece of cake to do this. You're still looking at silicon starts. You're still looking at kind of, you know, any kind of wafer change or masking changes or, you know, fundamental changes to the architecture, so on and so forth. It still has to be part of it. But, you know, from that particular kind of mid, mid-strand mid level, listen, I can take a chiplet out. I can replace it with an updated chiplet. I can still build off that. Same thing with the I.O. stack. The I.O. stack or I.O. controller. We really, <laughs> to a certain extent, you could almost call it a Northbridge controller. Um, that sits on, you know, on substrate there. Yeah. I mean, uh, same thing. They can iterate that. They can look at the memory controllers on that. They can look at the IO controllers if they find a vulnerability in there, you know, allows them to kind of piecemeal this stuff out. So a radically reduced or dare I say it decomposed architecture versus a single monolithic die or the approach that Intel is taking or has taken, you know, obviously we'll see what, um, some of their newer stuff, their 3D packaging or two and a half D or whatever packaging has to offer. I mean, they'll give them a little bit more flexibility from foundry side or assembly side. Now, code is code. Like I said, um, we live in a world that's <laughs> frankly fucking scary when it comes down to software and what software is able to do in terms of executing on a platform. So, you know, these type of things, I, again, I want to give accolades where accolades are due. You know, View University Amsterdam, good job for finding these bugs. I think it's awesome that you're sticking with it. Then you're going out and doing this stuff. You do us all a service by finding things that are wrong. You do us all a service by finding things that are wrong, making it factual, and not turning it into a fucking op-ed against, you know, Big Blue, right? Or Team Blue, or the 800-pound girl, or whatever you want to call it, Right. We're all going to have mistakes in the stuff that we do, and it's researchers, it's folks that are experienced in this space that I want to congratulate and say thank you. It sucks <laughs> to be, you know, to find bugs and stuff, you know, to have bugs found in your equipment or in your hardware and your software. I mean, it just it's, you know, it's a black eye, but we are grateful for that opportunity to go and fix something that, yeah, that's broken, you know, for all intents and purposes. And wrap this all up. Um, you know, one of the things I want to say is that, you know, a lot of, you know, these problems just don't go away. You know, we can talk about the co-location of data and, and, and pipelines and von Neumann architectures and whatever. We can talk about how we need to get away from those and we need to do this stuff. So it's not necessarily going to assuage the problem. It's just going to put problems in different places, right? So blaming Intel for, you know, shortcuts and doing that stuff, it's not a, it's not a very measured approach. Listen, they made decisions in their design to achieve an end. They achieved that end along the way. They determined they have now found out that that end that they sought is gonna add a little bit more pain to to the process and can expose some significant severe uh, security vulnerabilities. I mean, this is not trivial. How you get there could be trivial. I mean, we're talking about a vulnerability by hiding code in a web advertisement. I mean, that's that's kind of a trivial attack. Trivial, trivial access or trivial vector to attack with, um, but all that to be said, you know, it's you know you're gonna find these vulnerabilities in different places. So a completely disaggregated system, you know, as as that next platform AI is, con- you know, next platform's AI conference last week in San Jose, you know, and they pointed out, you know, that the 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 promise of disaggregated systems, you know, where CPU is a pool of resources, where memory is a pool of resources, and these are all decoupled from each other. Accelerators are a de- yeah, disaggregated resource, and they're all decoupled, and they're running over a bus like Gen Z, or they're running over CXL, or they're running over whatever, choose your, choose your poison, PCI Express, or whatnot. You know, there's trade-offs in that design, too. Just because you have a pipe to something doesn't mean that pipe isn't going to carry the same garbage that you had before. There's ways to execute these vulnerabilities, even... You know, and it's 
again, researchers that like VU that are going to find these type of things. So I get it. We can knuckle crack a little bit. We can congratulate AMD for not suffering from this particular problem. We can uh, look at ensconce at Intel and say, hey, listen, dude, you fucked up um, in your design. But when it comes down to it, this is just, you know, we're finding. There's just a tip in the iceberg. Who knows what next week's going to bring? What other vulnerabilities are going to be there? You can never have a holistically secure system. I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, you security folks, correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea of a completely resilient, secure, trusted system is anathema. It's just not going to happen. So you make do with what you got, and you work within those confines. So thanks, Dylan, <coughs> for your... Uh, your feedback this week uh, on podcast topic. I managed to bloviate for 20 minutes on it, and I hope it's useful. You know, as always, folks, continue to send me ideas, continue to subscribe. I'm now syndicated in iTunes and a couple other places in addition to SoundCloud and my blog. So feel free to uh, send me a note, something you want to hear or something you want to discuss. I will be starting to add guests speakers at some point i got a few friends that i'd like to invite along for some stimulating conversation um but that's it for now folks all right have a great evening have a great rest of your week and uh, continue to kick ass and take names talk to you later bye